my team, yeah, we off the leash. You can look us in the eyes, see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we draw, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to We're Live, Pal, a Podski Wee Wee postgame show. The Ticats smashed the Riders 38-13, improved to 8-8 eight eight on the season, and helped their chances of hosting a playoff game in the semifinal. I am Mike Graham, and making his triumphant return to Podski Wee Wee, the great and powerful Josh Smith. How are you feeling, my friend? Uh, not too shabby. That was... Uh... That was a good win tonight, was it not? It was, uh, you know, very entertaining ball game. If you're a Ticat fan, I thought that it was probably one of the best performances all year long. Um, so, yeah, I'm pretty pleased as well. Yeah, I think that would be a pretty accurate statement. They Now, I'll I'll be honest with the audience here today. I missed the first quarter of the game. I was returning home from the Forge soccer match this evening. There were plans to watch it there. Those plans changed. Uh, we we made it back to my friend's parents' house. We were going to watch it there. By the time we got home, it was 7-2, to two, and the entire first quarter had gone by. So I, I, don't, I don't have the I, – I have the game recorded. I'm going to watch the first quarter. My understanding is I missed the entirety of Bo Levi Mitchell's tenure on the field. But everything else I saw after that, if they looked as good the rest of the game as they did in the first, like if the if the first quarter was as good as the rest of the game went, this might have been the best top to finish game this team has had all year. This was a defensive masterpiece, quite frankly. There was one instance in this entire game which occurred very late in the second quarter where they surrendered the, the lone touchdown of the game. They created, what, half a dozen turnovers, had four or five sacks. I mean, Matthew Schultz, I, I don't want to jump ahead, but like Matthew Schultz is out there trucking dudes on the runs. Oh, God. And yeah. it's just, it just felt like in a game that I genuinely believe the Ticats were going to have a hard time winning because of the emotion of George Reed's passing. And we as Ticat fans know as well as anyone, the game after Angela Mosca died it was such an emotional day at the stadium for the team then to the riders. I thought would be amped up for this. They're celebrating the 10 year anniversary of the 2013 gray cup, which was in Regina where they slaughtered the cat. It just felt as if everything and they, the riders had struggled. It just really felt like the tie cats were going to be in a dog fight here and to lay a whooping. And I know the riders aren't very good. And I think this, this is emblematic of their season, but to go into a place that they had never won. They had never won at this new stadium since it opened in 2017. They hadn't won in Saskatchewan in almost 10 years. 2015 was the last time they won there. 
to do that, to put on the show, to do it in a way where they like the starting quarterback plays a quarter and then you throw the backup in there and it almost as if they don't miss a beat. This was top to bottom, perhaps the best we've seen of this team. And it's what five wins in seven games now, like peaking at the right time. Like it, if you want to believe tonight's effort, even if it's, a, it's against a team that's not that good, gives you reason to believe this team can be maybe something special this year. Well, you mentioned that you you missed the first quarter, and luckily, on the Pods Huey Post Game Show, we have the game recap, so we can fill you in on what happened in this first quarter. And let's kick it off now. Uh, the Tie Cats get the ball first. Steinhauer challenges for DPI. It uh, the challenge fails. He's one in seven on the year uh, in the challenge category, and you know you could look at that and say that's pretty bad, and it is. But I think that's been like all coaches in the CFL this year. Like the challenge rate has been terrible. So um, yeah, and Steinhauer used him. to be really good at that, and he's gotten yeah. worse as years have gone. But I think you are right. I think it's 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 been a thing where I, the, the officials have been, and I don't have a problem with it. Quite frankly, more apt to mm-hmm. side with what happened with Now later in the game, there were a couple of challenges by the riders that, in my opinion, were a little. Eh, I'm not sure if they were the correct calls to reverse them, but. I have noticed that, that it seems that if they're not as successful with these things, which I'm okay with, like let's limit replay as much as we can and uh, go with the calls on the field. Because I think for the most part, I think the referees do a pretty good job of getting it right anyway. Mitchell hits white on second and 10 for a first down 21 yard gain. Butler with a 10 yard run for another first down, but Butler fumbles on the next play. Saskatchewan recovers. They take over at their own 36-yard line. So it was a promising drive to start off. And then uh, James Butler puts the ball on the ground. But, you know, he can be uh, – we can forgive him for that because he had a monster night tonight. Uh, yeah, for sure. Oh, so it was, a, it was a fumble. So when we got to my friend's parents' house, his dad said that it was an interception. I guess it was it was a fumble, not a pick. Okay. Because I saw the stats, and I was like, Schilt had the only interception. I was like, I saw that happen. So I was like, I yeah, what the other thing was. Okay, it was a fumble. Okay, gotcha. Saskatchewan driving when Dola Gala fumbles the ball after a rocky handoff attempt. Uh, the Riders recover, but Ticats should have had the turnover. They had a chance to you know fall on the ball there. They didn't, but... Uh, Certainly didn't made it for that later in the game. Yes, absolutely. They didn't get hurt by it, so... It's all good. Uh, Bo connects with White for an incredible 88-yard catch and run to the tider, to the Riders' 10-yard line. Um, great pass, hit uh, Tim White in stride, kind of made a move, and added about 40 more yards to that uh, catch and run. So really nice to see. Bo had a good connection with White early on in this game. Uh, Mitchell connects with Omar Bayless in the back of the end zone. Another, you know, strong and confident throw from Bo Levi Mitchell. He hits Omar Bayless. It's seven nothing tie cats with seven forty nine left in the first, and, and an absolutely beautiful route run by Bayless. Oh, Bayless had the first touchdown. Again, the information I got was that it was Timmy White, but uh, my friend's dad's not the he's not the biggest tie cats fan in the world. I think he watches. He's a Hamiltonian, right? But uh, so we, I, I, I did get a little, a little poor information at the start of the game. But I think from then on out, I probably saw everything else happen. So at least I can be informed on that stuff. All right, sweet. Uh, Sutherland with a nice knockdown. Simone gets a sack on the following play. Oh, all right, we're, we're still in the first punt. quarter because I did not see that. Oh, okay, okay, yeah. Simone 
continues his really good play of late, which is great to see. Uh, obviously, one of the defensive leaders, uh, uh, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders are forced to punt, and the Ticats are pinned at their five-yard line. Uh, Bo gets called for intentional grounding in the end zone. It's a safety. Get, are you? That's the safety. Yeah, that was a safety. Yep he uh, he had some time at first, but then the he, he ran out of time quickly. He panicked and uh, threw it away. Safety seven two tie cats with two forty nine left in the first. That's surprising that that would uh, that he. I, I remember when Powell took that that penalty. I guess it was two weeks ago now. Uh, young guy, it happens. Bo making that mistake is a little surprising. Yeah, I agree. I think he got uh, a little bit nervous. He was about to get hit, so he uh, he panicked a little bit there. Uh, the Riders take over at the 40-yard line. The quarter ends 7-2. to two. Uh, Second quarter begins. Thurman stuffs Morrow in the backfield on 31. Okay, that I Hamilton saw. That takes awesome. over at their own 41-yard line. Yeah, that I that okay. So that's when I I I, I had seen I saw that that was a hell of I, I like the call by the riders, hell of a stop by Thurman there. Just wrapped him as soon as he wrapped him up. I was like, and I saw it was six. I was like, this is over. He's not escaping this, and, and he didn't. It was that was fantastic. Now it's uh, Schultz is put in the game. He runs for a first down. And this next play, James Butler gets hit hard after catching the backfield, absorbs the hit, doesn't fall down, and then runs for a first down. Uh, that was in a, you know, that was a pretty hard hit as well. So, you know, thumbs up to James Butler for taking a hit, getting his composure, and then running for the first down. He took a few big ones in this one. Uh, he got he got clobbered by Micah Johnson later in the game that uh, he came up wincing and. I'm I'm curious to see how that'll affect him going forward, but uh, he he was a monster today. Made it made a ton of great plays. That was that was chief among them. One you just mentioned, Schultz to Bayless for a gain of 30 yards to the Riders' 16 yard line, and then Schultz finds Bayless again for a 10 yard touchdown pass. It's 14-2 with 10:30 left in the half. Pretty pretty surprising. Like again, like I said, I really expected the Riders to come out in this one really strong, and yeah. to get like. Again, like I said, this is where I started watching. It's like Ticats were taking it to him and pretty relentless throughout the game. And it was just it was it was shocking to me to to see them come out so hot. Especially considering I'm sure stuff we'll get into later, but Scott Milanovic isn't there and we know how this team can start slow to to have them come out kind of flying like this. Again, impressive. Very, very impressive. Uh, Rouge is given up on the kickoff. It's fifteen to two now. Saskatchewan. Oh yeah, because goes... there was a there was a penalty on the uh, touchdown, wasn't there? Uh, roughing the passer, I think it was. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, something like that. Yarder, so. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Saskatchewan goes two and out. It's Hamilton ball at their own thirty yard line. Schultz finds Godwin wide open on a slant. Huge yak on the play of thirty nine yards. Yeah, Goblin played great in this one as well. Like, didn't get a lot, a lot of targets, but the the I think he had maybe one or two catches, but made the most of both of them. Yeah, they you know Schultz hit him in stride there, and he just took off. He really showed, you know, what kind of speed he has. So it was nice to see Godwin uh, do his part in this one. Schultz hits Smith for another big gain down to Saskatchewan's eleven yard line. Matthew Schultz connects with Sean Thomas Erlington, sneaking out of the backfield for an eight-yard TD. It's twenty-two to two with five sixteen left in the half. 
did it feel to you like it was over at that point? Like, I know that there's still a lot of football left and a couple more scores happened in this quarter, but really felt like, okay, I, I think we can put this one to bed. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't feel as if the Riders could do anything to stop the Ticats or anything to to find success offensively against me. It, just, it felt at this point when they went down so easily, like this, that was ball game. Yeah, I felt pretty confident at that point. Uh, shortly after this, we were marching again, and we'll get to it. But if we would have scored a touchdown there to make it 29-2, to two, I would have been like, all right, you know, game yeah. over. Yeah. Um, oh, when they settled for the, for the like, yield field goal? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. So, do, 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 5-16 left in the half. Ryder returner fumbles on kickoff. Nick Cross punches it out. Ah, and that's right. Now, correct correct me here. Pava, Pavahi, is that his, how you pronounce Pava, his name? Pava, I think it's Pavai. Pa, it's, Pavai, okay. Uh, yeah. Pavai recovers. I know, his, I know his first name is Pinay. Like Pinay okay. Sewell, the offensive lineman for the Detroit Lions. I think it's Pinay Pavai. Pinay Pavai recovers at Saskatchewan's 36-yard line. Butler catches a pass out of the backfield for a first down. Uh, Schultz is under pressure and throws a, a bad pick. You know, yeah. a really, really strong night from Schultz. This was like one of the only bad occurrences that happened in his game yeah. tonight. A rider's ball at their own 16-yard line. It's especially bad because it was an unnecessary throw. You know what mm. I mean? Like, he should have just either heaved it out of the stadium or eaten it and taken the, the field goal. You know, like, you're right. It was the only, like, I mean, I'm looking at his numbers right here and I don't want to get too into it, but he only had three incompletions off yeah. the night. So it's like, yeah, one bad throw, I'll give it to him. But it just stunk because at that moment, if they, if they eat the ball, if they don't, they, even if they get three there, again, the, the, the ball is still rolling. The avalanche is still coming. It feels, it certainly felt like it just would have been piling on at that point. Richard Leonard with a nice hit to make it third and three at the three-minute warning. The Riders punt. Ticats have the ball at their 48-yard line with 2.21 left, so lots of time left on the clock. Schiltz connects with STE for a first down. Riders take a 15-yard unnecessary roughness call. Ticats have the ball at Saskatchewan's 18-yard line. The drive stalls shortly after that. At the 16, the Ticats kick three. It's 25-2. to two with 117 left in the second quarter. It's funny, the way you're describing this game reminds me of so many games you described earlier this year, but with the roles reversed. And it was, a team does this, but then Hamilton does something stupid to right. help them extend a drive or whatever. And in this one, it felt like the exact opposite. It was riders turnovers, riders dump, and riders took a lot of dumb penalties in this one, it felt like. So it's nice to see the shoe on the other foot here. Absolutely. The Riders score on a 31 handoff tomorrow for a 31 yard TD. It's 25 to 9 with 34 seconds left. The half ends 25 to 9. Uh, even after that touchdown, I, I didn't feel nervous or anything like that. Did you? No, I won't say nervous, but there's always that like, oh, you let the team get that late half mm -hmm. score. It's like, okay, can they use that to kind of turn momentum? And didn't make a damn bit of difference at, at the end of it. You know what I mean? But it is one of those things where it's like they played so well, you would have hoped that they would have found a way to not have that happen. But at, at the same time, much like with, with Matt Schultz, it's like, 
okay, the defense ultimately played a whale of a ball game. All right, they give up one big play for a touchdown. You can't really fault them. And like you said, the score was what twenty five nine at the time. It's like they're still up by by two scores. So it's not as if it's not. It didn't make it where it's like, oh, the Riders get the ball to start the second half and they score again and it's all tied up and now you're in a ball. No, I was still. They're still well ahead. So no, it was, it was a, that small bit of worry because there always is, but mm. it was it dissipated rather quickly. The Riders get the ball first. They take over at their 40-yard line. Saskatchewan drive stalls at Hamilton's 49, and they punt. The Riders get the rouge. It's 25-10. to 10. Uh, Schultz runs for a first down. Butler gets a huge gain on his screen pass to the Riders' 20-yard line. Butler gains 8 yards and goes over 1,000 yards rushing on the season. First first thousand yard rusher for this franchise in thirteen years. Just incredible. And look, you and I were very high on James Butler signing coming into the year, but all of the super smart football people tell you running backs don't matter and whatever. This was a phenomenal signing. He's been in this game in every game this year. He's been a beast since Milanovic took over, especially. I don't know. I, I I think we both gave this an A-plus when we did it on the show, when we were talking about uh, the signing, back when we gave out some grades a few weeks back. It, playoff football, man, you, you need that hammer, and mm-hmm. Butler can be the hammer for the Ticats. And I just think – I think there's a lot of people out there who uh, – who need to be apologizing for their February comments about the team spending money on a, on a future tailback because that he's been worth every single penny that this team, this is the best running back this team has had probably since CJ Gable left. And that's a rather long time ago. And, and he's putting up numbers that Gable didn't put up. So he's even better than that. Just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal player. It was awesome. This game has been awesome all year. I think there might be a James Butler apology form hitting the old interwebs at some point in the next couple of weeks. I, I don't want to spoil it, but uh, I think I might put some together for all the people out there who said this was a stupid decision by the Ticats because they look like idiots right now. Yeah, I don't, you know, I, I know that a lot of people buy into that uh, running backs are a dime a dozen type thing. And maybe, you know, in this modern day age of football, they're less important than they were at one time, but Bringing in a guy like James Butler, I don't think we paid him too much or anything like that. He's done his job all year long. He's he makes less than Andrew Harris, and Andrew Harris never plays. Yeah. So he he makes less than Kadeem Carey, and Kadeem Carey's he's been fine. James Butler, Brady Olivier has been the best running back in football. AJ Lett's up there. Kevin Brown's up there. James Butler's in that discussion. You know what I mean? James Butler has been one of the three best backs in the CFL this year. There's an argument to be made that maybe he's the second best running back in the league. If you take everything into account, I don't care if the team spent 140 grand or 130 grand to bring him in. It's worth it. I know you can get replacement level production, but the Ticats literally haven't had someone do what James Butler did in over a decade. So clearly the, the, you know, the, uh, that machine that churns out all these running backs hasn't been coming to Hamilton. They spent a little money to bring him in. I'm fine with it. Love it. He's been great. Schultz had white for a TD, but throws a little low. Mm. Hamilton's, yeah, that was a bad throw, right? Yeah, I, I mean, the, the riders brought pressure, so it was mm-hmm. uh, he had to get it out quickly. It would have been nice if he could have got a little higher because, yeah, 
Whitey would have walked into the end zone with it. Hamilton settles for three. It's 28 to 10 with 7.30 left in the third. Dolagala gets sacked by Diallo. Saskatchewan challenges for roughing the passer. Uh, the challenge is successful. Uh, they hated get this. Chris Chris Edwards for roughing the passer. Yeah, I hated it too. He just grazed his head. It's not, not. It's not just the grazing of the head. This motherfucker is six the, foot yeah. seven. Yeah, and he ducks Chris Chris Edwards. And look, I've made no bones about Chris Edwards being a knucklehead when he's a knucklehead. But this guy ducks to part. Pardon the crassness of here. He looks like he's trying to suck his own dick. <laughs> and like Chris Edwards comes in and hits him. What's he supposed? He's going to wrap him up. He would have been hitting him at waist level. And this fucking guy puts his head like, what is the defender supposed to do? What is a defender supposed to do in that situation? It's not a violent hit to the head. It's not a blow to the head. It's a graze to the head. To me, this is this is absolute nonsense. And I mean, quarterbacks are going to get away with it. Zach Claros gets away with this all the time. This is like his favorite move. And fine, whatever. But this to me was like, come on, guys. Like, what, what, what more could you ask him to do? He's going in to, to wrap him up. It's not a fist. It's an open hand. It, it, it just really bugged me. Yeah, it was a terrible call. There's, there's no questioning it. Uh, I know they want to protect the quarterbacks, but that's just, that's just fucking ridiculous. Uh, if, if, if that's what you, if that's what you want, if you want to protect quarterbacks, fine. Make make them two hand touch your flag. Like if that's a yep. penalty, then you shouldn't even be able to touch him. Schultz hits Godwin in stride on a slant for oh, a big gain awesome. to the Riders forty one yard line. Absolutely, it was a perfect pass. And then, like earlier, Godwin shows his speed once again. Yeah, look, he he almost broke that one for a touchdown, and it was he was he clearly if you watch he was setting up his receivers to get the blocks so he could then bust by him. And they just got caught from behind, but still a great play. 28 to 13 at the end of the third. Uh, fourth quarter, Ticats take a holding call, but managed still in field goal range after a nice gain from Smith. Uh, Legio kicks the 37 yarder. It's 31 to 13 with 14.02 left in the fourth quarter. Jamal Davis gets a sack on Delegale. It's second and 17 for the second uh, game in a row. Davis gets a sack, the newly acquired defensive end. That's nice to see. Absolutely. And again, he's he's been a – last two games been very good in the limited snaps that he's played. Jagarit Davis has started to come alive too. This pass right, Dylan Wynn came back in this one. If this defensive line starts putting some pressure on some quarterbacks, this team could make a pretty deep playoff run, I think. And then he, yeah, you mentioned Dylan Wayne and Casey Sales is playing lights out. Uh, Diallo yeah. made made his presence felt. Diallo was great team. in this one, really yep. like filling in for Teddy, uh, who was actually at the the fourth game and uh, at Tim Hortonsville today because he wasn't in Regina because he's hurt. But if he if he can come back and you get Diallo going, like that's a the the depth that the defensive line has that we wanted to discuss all offseason. We were so happy about it, and then morons in our when the, the sacks didn't pile up early in the season we saw a bunch of idiots being like you don't load up on the d-line you load up in the secondary like it's funny I, side, little side note here i know we're still doing the game recap we're kind of all over the place here but it's a celebration tonight it's a great win by this team like like we said earlier the best win this team's had you notice that our, our the uh our mentions on on social media are all those guys that were really talking a lot of junk 
around, you know, late July into August, you know, Labor Day-ish. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't see their names and their mentions anymore. It's some mm-hmm. Ticat fans, some of them not, but they, they, they've gone silent. I wonder why that is. Is it because this team's won five of their last seven? Beating every Could team be. in the West this year? Yeah, yeah maybe. Maybe. It could be, you know, I was going to mention that earlier. Beating every team in the West. That's a. I can't remember pretty, the last time they did. I, I no. maybe did they do that in? They must have done it in in twenty nineteen. Only lost three games that year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That must be it. But, but, like, but other than that, other than that, that that twenty nineteen season is as everyone listening to the show knows. If you're a Tiger Cat fan, that's the anomaly of all anomalies with this franchise mm-hmm. over the last forty years. It's it's very rare that we've seen. And they won in Edmonton, they won in BC, and they won in Saskatchewan. So not often that this team wins five against the West, but uh, here we are. Morrow gets 16 yards and Saskatchewan. Okay, so it was second and 17. Morrow gets 16 yards and Saskatchewan gambles on third and one, but gets stuffed short on the QB sneak. It's the Ticats ball once again. Yeah, that was uh, the moral. That that moral should have been tackled well before that even got there. To be honest with you, um, but again, defense comes up. Defense was great in this one. Like, yeah. we'll, we'll worry about the defense in a bit. So we'll say yeah. I'll save it till then. Right after that, Craig Dickinson challenges the spot and gets the call yeah. to return. So you know, and it was like I, this one. I was a little less angry about than the roughing call because this one, when you saw, even when I saw it live, I was like, I thought he got it. Mm-hmm. They marked him short, and then they show the replay, and it's like I think they ultimately got it right, but at the same time, I think it was just it was just questionable enough where I think I would have stuck with the call on the field. You know what I mean? Like because you can't you, you it looks like it, and I, I don't have a I don't again I don't have a problem with them overturning it, but I feel like in that scenario it wasn't I don't think it's cut and dry as they made it seem on the broadcast, but uh, that's the way it went. So be it. Chris Edwards gets the sack on the blitz. Uh, Simone comes in and hits Dola Gala, creating the fumble and Dylan Wynn recovers. Ticats ball at the Riders 51 yard line. Yeah. Defense. We'll we'll get into the whole defense in a bit. So yeah, just Mm -hmm. drive stalls at Saskatchewan's 45. Ticats punt and pin the Riders at the seven yard line. Uh, you know, the, the riders bring in Mason fine, trying to salvage something. He comes into the game for the riders with just over nine minutes left. Saskatchewan gambles on third and four Thurman knocks the pass down Hamilton's ball at their 54 yard line with six forty five left. Uh, Keandre Smith fumbles. It's riders ball. Cast Antonis with a spectacular one-handed interception, his fifth interception on the season, a Ticat ball at their 37. Cast Antonis continues to impress. All I think every time I see him play is cha-ching. The Ticats mm-hmm. are going to have to pony up some dough. And I think him coming in and starting, like I don't think there's any question that he's going to be this team starting safety next year. And and he has earned it and then some. Schiltz finds White all alone, makes a couple miss, and gets a first down. Schiltz takes off on a run and absolutely steamrolls Derek Moncrief and keeps <laughs> running for a first down. What a shoulder. Holy. You don't see quarterbacks truck anyone like that. And I guess with Schiltz being 
you know, he's the backup. So he knows that it's not like he has to keep his body all that, you know, oh, he doesn't have to slide. But it was like, that was hammer meat nail, man. Like mm-hmm. that was one of the, like, I, I haven't seen, there's running backs in this league that I haven't seen dip their shoulder and knock a guy on his ass like that. <laughs> like, like ooh, boy, ooh, we on that one. That was excellent. Butler rumbles for another first down. Uh, James Butler continues to grind the clock. Another first down run for him. Loxley punches it in from the one-yard line for the TD. It's 38-13 to 13 with 25 seconds left, and that's all she wrote. 38-13 to 13 is the final. Can I be, can I be honest? I, I kind of wish they would have given that to Butler there. The game he had... The... I'm, again, I'm fine with it, whatever. And I know there's probably some people who are like, they're running up the score, I'm gonna piss off. They're professionals. There's no such thing as running up the score in professional sports. I just would it would have been nice if they would have given Butler they would they would have given Butler the the handoff just to let him cap off that night with, with a score. But I mean the win is what's important at the end of the day, and I'm sure he could care less about his uh his his stats. So a great team win, just top to bottom, like we said off the top tonight, just an absolute dismantling. It was, I'll say it again, for those who maybe weren't here when we first started, probably the best game, start to finish, offense, defense, special teams. Special teams didn't have to do much, but they did enough that we have seen from this team this year. I, I got to think you agree with me on that one. And if you don't, tell me I'm an idiot and tell me why. But no, I, think, I think a 25-point win speaks for itself, does it not? Absolutely. It was a, uh, it was a great performance offense, defense. And like you said, you know, the special teams, there was no spectacular returns or anything that like that from McAllister tonight, but we didn't need it. You know, the, the, the offense and the defense did their thing and we uh, comfortably won this one. So let's get into the quarterbacks here. what did you think? I know you didn't see Bolivar Mitchell play, but uh, here's his numbers. He was four of six for 129 yards and a, and a touchdown. He looked sharp. He did. There's no. There's no denying. I'm sure you'll agree when you uh, watch the first quarterback. Uh, a pretty darn good performance from Bo Levi Mitchell tonight. Yeah, I'm looking at the stats here and just doing some quick math. Combined between the two, Mitchell and Schultz, and I know you want to talk about Bo. And I, I can't say much about him because, like I said, mm-hmm. I didn't get can't see him play. So, but I'm just looking at the two. They went 20 for 25, so it's 80 percent completion percentage. Three touchdowns, one interception. And 400 passing yards. Like, Schultz threw for 270. Uh, is this right? Schultz throws for 271. Bo throws for 129. Like, that's 400 yards through the air. Yeah. And then I'm looking at the numbers for the receivers, and it's like, okay, Butler had 77. Like, it's funny because you kind of look at the receiver number sometimes. You're like, I don't think that that adds up. But then it's like, oh, no, that absolutely adds up. It's also funny because Tim White had 129 receiving, and Bo threw for 129. So it's uh, maybe I, I'm, I'm weird with numbers, but it's funny. But 80% complete percentage, three to one touchdown interception radio, ratio, and 400 yards through the air. I'll take that every week, buddy. Yeah, yeah. But Bolivar Mitchell, you know, he takes the first quarter. He does his thing. He looks really impressive on, on one drive. I think it was a three-play drive, and he just chucked the ball. I, I think it was aided by a an 88-yard catch and run from yeah, Tim White. For sure. But uh, you know, And then Matthew Schultz comes in, and he just picks it up. And the offense doesn't miss a beat. He goes 16 to 19 for 271 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, two touchdowns and a pick. Two touchdowns and a pick. Definitely Matthew Schultz, 
best performance this season? Mike, they went, they had 16 yards per attempt. They did. They threw for 400 yards tonight. 16 yards per attempt. The Riders, 6.2. The Ticats were picking up almost 10 more yards, not per completion, per attempt that they had in this game. They were 20 yards per completion. This team on offense in total, I know we're not talking just about, but 400 yards through the air, 140. Five, nearly 550 yards of offense. There's there's nothing to complain about from the, from this unit today. I like interception, sure. Fumble by Keandre Smith. You score 38 points. You put up almost 550 yards of offense. This this to me is this was a masterpiece. And for Milanovic not to be there, for Mike Gibson to be calling plays to do this, whoo, whoo wee, buddy. Like, what could this offense look like? What would this offense have done with Milanovic calling plays? You know what I mean? Like, if they did this with the backup offensive coordinator, who, boy, man, this was a this was an ass kick, and that I didn't even I didn't even realize it was this bad. You know what I mean? Like, whew, when's the last time Ty gets put up 500 yards of offense? It's been I don't think it's got to be the first time this year. I'm thinking so. Uh, I I can't remember uh, a combination of passing yards and rushing yards like uh, what's adding up in this game, right? So. It's uh, it's been a while since this offense has really shown that it's, you know, capable of explosion plays and racking up a ton of yards and scoring touchdowns. So it was great to see. Speaking of scoring touchdowns and racking up tons of yards, Tim White, three receptions, 129 yards, um, an average of 43 yards per gain, a long of 88 yards. Uh, this guy is, uh, you know, sometimes he has those monster games like this one. Sometimes he disappears. But, you know, as we get closer to the playoffs, he seems to be. Uh, That's when he ratchets things up, buddy. He did yeah, absolutely. And, and he's. He, it looks like the chemistry. Now, again, 88 yards on one play. But a lot of that was him himself. Catches the ball and then goes goes sprinting. But, man, it when this offense is clicking like this, it. It feels damn near unstoppable. I mean, it was damn near unstoppable today. They, the, their own mistakes is what stopped them more than anything else. Like, they could have easily – they settled for field goals where they could have scored touchdowns. They throw a red zone-ish interception. They, they could have piled up 40, maybe 50 in this one with, with, with what they did. And Tim, Tim White was awesome. Omar, we got to give our, we got to give some props to Omar Bayless, though, man. Two mm-hmm. touchdowns, first two of his career. He's been really good since coming in for Duke Williams. And, you know, he doesn't have a ton of receiving yards. He made three catches for 51 yards. But if he's going six, – six percent of his catches ended touchdowns, I'll take that every week too. So just a stellar performance for him. The, the entire team on offense was, was just great today. Yeah, we got a shout-out James Butler, you know, mm-hmm. catching the ball as well. You know, together with his receiving and running, I think he had something like 184 yards. Yeah. Uh, 77 yards catching the ball, 107 yards rushing the ball. Um, It's, you know, he can do it all, right? Uh, and then Terry Godwin, two receptions, 71 yards. He had a couple of big gains tonight as well. You mentioned Omar Bayless, Keandre Smith, 40 yards. And even Sean Thomas Erlington contributing with 32 yards. So in total, they connect with six receivers catching the ball tonight, uh, racking up quite a few yards. Yeah, and it's five Butler, five targets, five catches. STE, four targets, four catches. Keiagre Smith, three targets, three catches. Like that 80% complete percentage starts to look 
really good when you're like I'm just marveling at like because again you watch the game and you're you're not really keeping up with the stats, but then you just see it after the fact and you're almost like I can't believe they were four for seven in the red zone. Like, yeah, the more I look at this, the more I think about it. Nine there nine point four yards per play on offense per play, mm-hmm. Mike. But basically, every time That's they touch good. the ball, it's first down. <laughs> every time good. they touch the ball, it's first down. Like, again, we're not silly enough to think that this is what they'll do every week. We're not silly enough to think that, oh, man, they've they've done this against a, a weak Riders team. They're the best team. No, we're not going to go that far. But if this is what this team is capable of, there is no reason to think that they can't go on a run. You know what I mean? Like, I know we haven't we haven't seen them play well against Montreal. We haven't seen them play well against Toronto. But if this is the type of performance that this team can put together, who but one punt in the in the game, like mm-hmm. this was a master class from this team. It was a master class from the offensive line as well, allowing zero sacks on the night and uh a pretty potent rushing attack as well. I felt like both quarterbacks had time in the pocket. Uh, what do you think of the offensive line tonight? Yeah, it just it, it here's the thing I'll say about the O line. They didn't stand out in any way, and that's a good thing. Like, I didn't think of them. I didn't worry about them. The offense was humming, so they're clear. Like, this is the thing with the O-line is we focus on them when they don't play well. When they do play well and things are clicking, you kind of forget about them, and that's the best compliment I give the offensive line. I didn't think about them at all tonight. And, again, these numbers that they piled up offensively is because of the offensive line as well. So, they must. They were tremendous in a way that I did. I, you don't have to worry about them, and that's the best thing that you can get out of an O line. Mike Gibson playing, uh, calling the plays tonight with uh, Scott Milanovic not able to be at the game. I don't believe he was at practice this week as as well. Uh, it's a family, uh, a family thing for him. So we hope everything is okay and uh, he can get back soon. Um, but Mike Gibson calling the plays did a pretty darn good job, did he not? <laughs> do i have to list the numbers again <laughs> holy smokes yeah. did he, did he ever, didn't think he had any of them i remember when mike gibson was the offensive coordinator here before kind of eh, meh middle of the road kind of you know just a guy type of thing i don't know he was clicking on all cylinders today everything he was calling was working so kudos to mike gibson for filling in, in a tough situation and i like all the sentiments hopefully it's nothing too serious with the milanovic family and hopefully he can be back up here and get these guys ready to play on friday against the bc lions all right, let's switch over to the defensive side of the ball now. Let's start with the defensive line. Uh, another amazing amazing performance from them. You know, it's very, very exciting to see these guys get pressure on the quarterback and disrupt the run game. Um, actually, you know, the run game wasn't, uh, the run defense wasn't that great tonight, but I felt like the pressure on the quarterback were uh, was really good once again. Yeah, and I think there were there were some gaps in, in the red defense, but I think those numbers were there were a couple of big runs. I don't know if it was necessarily sustained success from the riders. There were some misses, but yeah, they they hemmed in the riders passing attack. Uh like I said, six point two yards per attempt for the riders in this one, which is very, very low. The guys up front we talked about earlier, Diallo, Jagari, Jamal Davis, Dylan Wynn. Malik Carney wasn't really a factor tonight in, in any measurable way, but Casey Sales was great. Like this team starts to get rolling with these guys, and they're 
you know, you get Kongbo involved and then Teddy comes back. Like this could be, a, this, this is, they're starting to resemble the unit we had hoped they would be at the start of the season. They were awesome tonight. The defense as a whole was awesome tonight. What more can you ask for? The linebackers. I thought, I thought Chris Edwards, Simone Lawrence, Jameer Thurman, they all played great tonight. Jameer led the team with six defensive tackles. Simone continues to impress in the second half of the season. He had five defensive tackles tonight, two sacks, and one fumble recovery. And then Chris Edwards had had a strong night as well. Uh, What do you have? He just had one tackle, but I felt like he was, you know, around the ball quite a bit. But what can you say? You know, Simone Lawrence, you want to touch on him a little bit? Yeah, I will be the first to admit that I thought that time had passed him by, quite frankly. I thought that this team might have been better off with him in a uh, backup role is not right, but like a secondary role perhaps on the defense. And for I don't know what's lit a fire under his ass, but the last few weeks he's been on fire. I don't know if he can sustain it, but that's not – who cares whether it, it, it lasts the rest of the year. He's doing it now. Chris Edwards, the, the thing with him, yeah, he's a linebacker, but his his skills Cover. come in, in pass defense and coverage. Mm-hmm. And I thought the Ticats pass defense in this one, which is susceptible. There were still some rookies out there. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't uh, it wasn't the 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 veteran laden secondary that this team had become over the last few weeks. It, it's still some guys up there. Will Sunderland. Like they started three rookies again, and they hemmed in the, the passing attack, and, and and Chris Edwards is part of that. But Jameer Thurman's out there making uh, former TSN radio analysts look like complete buffoons on a weekly basis when he said that Jovan Santos Knox was better than him. And then ever since then, it seems like Jameer Thurman's been like, uh, fuck you. No, he's not. And six tackles, one tackle for loss on a big third down stop, a couple pass knockdowns, like – just been all over the place. He, he's he's the, the the turnovers that he forces and, and creates haven't come in bunches, but he's had a few. He's he's been stellar. He he's been stellar. Simone was stellar. Chris, the defense is over. they gave up thirteen points, one touchdown, and two of those actually they only gave up eleven points. Actually, I guess they only gave up ten points because one came on a punt, two came on a conceded safety by the offense. They only give up 10 points. That's a week after only giving up 15 and no touchdowns. They're stacking up these these hot performances, and that's what you need coming down the stretch here in the playoffs. You needed the defense to be strong because we know the offense can get hit, hit its lulls. They hit it in this game. Third quarter was not great. Very, very low-scoring third quarter. But when the defense is playing this well, you can weather those storms until the offense finds itself. They found themselves in the fourth quarter. What more can you ask for? Yeah, and I thought the, you know, the secondary – Played pretty well again tonight. Yeah. Uh, obviously, Cass and Tonis had a, a pretty good game. I thought Sutherland had a, had a good game. Richard Leonard was out there doing his thing. So, um, I mean, the know, top riders receiver, Mike, had had four catches for 43 yards. And this is a yeah. really good riders receiver. Like, I mm-hmm. whether whatever you believe about Jake Dolagala is whatever. He's kind of, he had, he's kind of had the dust and crumb. He started low, but then he had a couple of really good games especially that Labor Day game where he led them. And then it's kind of been downhill from there. But Emilis, Bain, Stearns, Schaefer-Baker, like these are good receivers. These are – Schaefer-Baker was a guy that people thought might be the best Canadian receiver in the game. Injury slowed him. He didn't start the season. He was hurt. But these are some – Sean Bain has been great this year. 
Emelis, 43 yards. Bain, 42 yards. Stearns, who's a young guy that came in, 25 yards. Schaefer Baker, 20, 29 yards. Like, for a secondary that's starting three rookies, including two on the boundary side of the field, which is ripe for the picking. What, what, yeah. Look, we can nitpick and say they were fine. This was a great performance by a bunch of kids who most of them, I mean, two of them for certain weren't starters at the beginning of the year. And another one is now playing out of position. I thought they were tremendous. So the specials tonight, uh, not a ton to talk about. Mark Leggio continues his impressive season kicking field goals. He goes three for three tonight. Uh, He hit four extra points. Didn't miss any of those tonight. And Vedvik only with one punt. A punt for 38 yards, you know, McAllister. And, and it went out inside like the 15. Like it was a perfect yep, punt. Yeah. Vedvik has impressed me in the last couple of games. He's, uh, you know, I, I felt like he had a bit of a rocky start, but uh, has gotten better and better as we go along here. Nothing spectacular to McAllister tonight uh, compared to other nights, but, you know, he was fine. And I thought the, the cover units were good as well. There's nothing, you know, on Saskatchewan side that I remember a big return or anything like that. Well, I mean, they didn't get a lot of return. I mean, they got a lot of kick returns, but they didn't get a lot of, uh, a lot of chances for returns because the Ticats weren't punting. They were too busy scoring. So whereas I'm looking for flowers Lloyd here, see if he had any uh, defensive tackles or special teams tackles. Cause he's been, I think he's got like almost like 30 on the year, which is, uh, Oh, he didn't, he didn't get one tonight. That's uh, I mean, but again, I guess there wasn't a lot of opportunity for him to get any sort of uh, special teams play this year. But, uh, I mean, he's been excellent all year. Yeah, like you said, special teams wasn't a whole lot to really sink your teeth into there because they didn't have to do a whole bunch. All right, you want to get into the Twitter stuff, Josh? Yeah, I'm curious to see how uh, how how people react to this game. I got to think it's going to be a whole heck of a lot of uh, lovey-dovey. From Tracy Fletcher, Bo Levi Mitchell needs to get rid of the red gloves. He needs black ones. <laughs> That's the type of thing you discuss in the postgame show after a 25-point mm-hmm. victory. Get rid of those damn gloves, Bo. Come on. Uh, from Jordan, 10 toes down. <laughs> I love that that's catching on. I love that I yeah, stole that from someone yeah. else, and it's yeah. now become a tie Cats thing. Like yeah. That's maybe my proudest moment in the history of my short media career is getting that to be sort of the rallying cry for our listeners 10 toes down maybe we got to make a 10 toes down t-shirt i won't draw feet because mm. i think feet are gross but mm-hmm. i love that that's become a thing and uh absolutely 10 toes down. how could you not be 10 mike you got to be 10 toes down nine and a half toes down oh, for me. is that because you lost that one due to frostbite I did. Naked I did. Yes. Edmonton yeah. For, yes. Yeah. There you go. Uh huh. Yeah. Mike only has nine. Let's not talk about that now. From at Jake Peck, are we officially hot? I'd say so. I think we are. Five wins in seven games. Absolutely. Absolutely. This team is back to five hundred, baby. Back to five hundred, where we belong. Our birthright, goddammit. it. But not back. At this is the first time since they were. Zero and zero to start the season. This team's been been to 500. Of course we're hot. No doubt about it. Uh, Argos give them their due. I know they lost a couple weeks ago to Winnipeg. Whatever. They're, I don't think there's any team right now scarier in the league than the Hamilton Tiger Cats. You can tell me about the BC Lions. You can tell me about the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. During this run, we beat them both. 
And now they've gone into a place that they never win and they got blown out the last two. And they've been blown out by bad riders teams in Regina in the last few years. And they win there. Officially hot. To me, the second scariest team. I'm going to say it right now because I'm a dickhead. The real Grey Cup will be Hamilton-Toronto in the East Final. <laughs> yeah. That's the real yes. Grey Cup because whoever wins yeah. that game will win the Cup. I don't care who they – the West is has not been good this year. Look look, look at the th- third-place team in the East. I mean, the fourth-place team in the East can still cross over because the West has been bad. The West is top-heavy. The East is top-heavy. But that gooey middle, there's two teams in it. It's Montreal. It's Hamilton. They're both in the East. East is better than the West this year. I don't care what anyone says. Yeah, I'd say as a whole, um, you'd have to. I'd take the three, you know, top teams from the East over the three top teams from the West. Maybe you could argue. Uh, I mean, Toronto's pretty damn good. Um, Toronto's yeah. the best team in the league, and yeah. then your next two are Winnipeg and BC, pretty close. And then I don't think that far behind, despite what the records say, you have Hamilton and Montreal. And Hamilton, in the last month and a half, two months, have beaten both Winnipeg and BC. So it's not yeah, as like. I think Hamilton's better than Montreal at this point in time. You know what I mean? Like, yes. And we're going to find out in a couple of weeks, we especially if that, if that game matters. We're going to yeah. find out. Well, we're, we're going to find out twice in the next couple of weeks because yeah. these two teams are going to be playing in the semifinal. Like, this is your 2-3 matchup. It's locked in. We just don't know where that game's going to be played. And honestly, we got to lose the first one to win the second one. I'll take it. I don't care. But – it's it's the game on the fourth that matters, not but it, the game on the on the twenty eighth could matter if the Alouettes stumble once over these last two two games yeah. before we meet up. But uh, yeah, right now I think that I, I mean I, in a nineteen league saying they're the fourth best team in the league, but are they really that far behind Winnipeg and BC? I don't think they are. Like I think it's Toronto, and then I think it's Hamilton, Winnipeg, and and BC. And I know that sounds crazy considering two of those teams have double-digit wins, Ticats just got to eight. But look what we've seen over the past couple of weeks. This team is hot. Yeah, the Argos are still the mountain that they have not been able to climb, but everyone else, I, I stack this team up against any other team in the league that's not the Argos, and I like their chances. And the defense is getting better. That was like, you know, obviously the whole team wasn't playing very well early on in the season, but, you know, if we could get the defense going, we'd have a serious shot, and I feel like, we're getting pressure on the quarterback now from the defensive line. Our linebackers are top-notch. And our secondary, our benefit from the front seven doing good things. So, you know, this team is hot right now. We're 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 getting better as we go into the playoffs. We have two more games to get Bo, you know, really acclimated into this offense. We got Schiltz coming in, doing a great job. I mean, we have some really good things going into the playoffs. So I'm pretty happy as a Ticat fan right now. From Chris, Willow, K-O-A, Powell, get in the game, TSN. Uh, let's see what he's got here. Oh, yeah, TSN reports Tiger Cats, QBs Mitchell and Powell combined for three touchdowns in oh, route to rough Ah, uh, TSN, just uh, can't get their heads out of their own asses. Whatever. Not a surprise. From Janet Boyd, very excited, happy, happy face for the team. Improvement continues. Very deadly team. Yeah, absolutely. From David Tucker, great game. No criticism. I just enjoyed watching it while my in-laws talked about whatever around me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blocking them out, are you, David? Uh, Awesome to see us coming out fast for a change. First, Good first half might have converted my brother into a season ticket holder next year. 
Oh, wow. I mean, there you, go. you wouldn't have said that three months ago after a Ticats game. You would have been like, I want to get rid of my season ticket for this year. What did, what did, again, you know, there, and we, we've done this now the last two years. They start slow and we're like, man, has, has Steinhauer lost the room? Is it now yeah, time to just stop questioning him? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 was, mean, I, was, I was talking about that on the podcast this week that I remember earlier on in the season, we were getting questions uh, about is this the worst Tiger Gat team you've ever seen? Yeah, and to look back on that now, team. yeah, most disappointing team. To look back that on now, you know, we're eight and eight now. It uh, seems pretty funny to, uh, you know, being asked those questions. It was the same thing last year. I remember panicking last year. We suck, we suck. And then we win five games at the end of the season. And I personally feel more confident this year yeah. than I did last year. So I think we have a better team this year than we did last year. I think this... I think this year's this year's team because I think the teams that they've beaten in this run is more impressive than the and the games they've won and the way they've won. Like to beat BC and BC is not easy, especially it was a late night game. To beat Winnipeg, I know they beat beat Winnipeg last year, so there's your there's your um, like your status quo. They beat the they, they beat the pants off them as well during their run. They went into Regina. And one, they won a slugfest against a Calgary team that it maybe wasn't good, and maybe the Ticats didn't play up to what they could have, but they found a way to get the win. They've done it with multiple quarterbacks. Taylor Powell's won some games. Matthew Schiltz won the game last week. Bo and, and Schiltz combined to win this one. And I think had Bo played the whole game, I don't think this outcome's much different, to be quite honest with you. I, I'm looking forward to watching the first quarterback to see how he played just because from all indications, what I saw on social media, what you said earlier, he looked tremendous. So it's like, I have no reason to believe this game wouldn't have gone in a, in the same direction had he stayed in it the whole way. It, I feel way more confident in this year's team, but the, my whole point is maybe if this team again next year, maybe they start two and five, maybe they start three and six and we're seeing, oh, they can't coach. They got to fire this guy. They got to fire that guy. And yes, they did make the big change and fire Tommy Condell. And it has worked. And I said that that would be a dumb decision, and I was wrong, and I will wear that. But the times, oh, that came with, we questioned Mark Washington, and I think rightly so, and he stepped his game up. But then it was people turning on Steinhauer. And we said this when, when Condell was fired. Oh, who's next? And it was Steinhauer. I think we just got to stop questioning the man. I know he set yeah. the bar really high in year one. like that's, and, he, and to do what he did in year one, best season in franchise history, they look poised to just run rough shot over everybody. We hold him to that standard. This team's never missed the playoffs with him as head coach. They've made what three Eastern finals and two great cups. Like I know that we're sick of nearly getting there, but you also have to understand we're not the Elks. We're not the red. Like would you trade places? Like everyone loved Bob Dice to start the year. Oh, Bob Dice. He's going to be great. Would you trade that coaching staff? Kahari Jones, who everyone wanted to be the offensive coordinator here. Would you trade that coaching staff for the one we have in Hamilton? Because I sure as shit wouldn't. I think we just have to stop overreacting and wanting to just shit can everyone when things go poorly. Because this guy has proven year in and year out that he can lead this team. And we're guilty of it too. I'm not just saying other people. You and I were harping on it as well. Maybe he's got too much on his plate. He, the guy, the guy can coach his ass off. This is a this, he's done a great coaching job. 
this year. To be able to win with a third-string quarterback, to be able to win with three different quarterbacks this year, they won a game where their quarterback threw five bloody interceptions, and they won today with a three for 400. Like, Orlando Steinhauer is a great head coach. The trophy isn't there yet, and I say yet because I do believe in my heart of hearts at some point he will break this team through. But he's got the team in the playoffs every single year, and it's got to count for something. I remember, and maybe this is just me and, and you, you're we're of the same age, maybe I'm clinging too much to that really bad mid-2000s team. But at that point, I would have taken a playoff appearance any year, let alone every year. I think we just got to get off the guy's back. Yeah, maybe he's not the second coming of Ron Lancaster. But man, oh man, can this guy coach his ass off. And I think as we see the team get better throughout the year, because this happened 2019 is the outlier, but 2021 started a little slow, got better as the year went on. 2022 started really poorly, got better as the year went on. This year, same thing. Maybe they got to find a way to get better. To, if they have better starts, we're not scratching and clawing for playoff positioning late in the year. But man, oh man, what a job this guy's done getting this team to where they're at now. I, I just wish that maybe next year when this team starts one and three, take a breath and go, he'll get the ship turned around because he always has. Why would we have any reason to doubt him going forward? Yeah, I'm with you. I was. Um... I was one of those guys earlier in the season. I was even questioning if he was a good head coach anymore. It's just yep. some of the boneheaded decisions, in-game decisions that he made. I was questioning it. There's no doubt about it. But the way that he's turned around this team in the second half of the season is pretty darn impressive because it's hard. It's hard to do that when you're when you're nosediving, right? It's hard to get confidence back in these guys. And I don't know. I don't think they ever really lost the confidence in themselves. But at one point in this season, it was looking pretty dire. And for them to get back to 500 is, is really impressive. And, you know, I think we have the have the team and, and have the coaches in place to go on a run. And, uh, you know, Steinhauer is going to be here for, for many years to come. I just wish that we could get off to better starts of the season and not have to come on so strong in the second half of the season. And that's not to say that, you know, we start off 9-0. and that's not what I'm saying. No, it's but like, this team, this team, this team could start off four and four yeah. instead of starting off two and six. Yeah, where would they be? At you know what I mean? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on that. But at the same time, it's like we see year in year out how he doesn't lose the locker room. You know what no. I mean? Like even when things are going poorly, and aside from this past week when I wasn't feeling well, I've been at most of the practices, and there's they're all the same. And I mean, I. Again, it's it's a small thing, but Ja'Garrett Davis was traded by this team. Traded away. They we do not want you anymore. And then they said, Nope, you gotta come back. And I in my head, and I said it on the pod, I was like, Oh, well, he's just going to they're gonna keep him away from the team until he's healthy, and then they'll cut him and he'll he came back and he's rehabbing with the team, and you'd think Man, this is kind of weird. Like, could you imagine if you're you went to work one day and your employer said, We're firing you, but then they were like, Oh shit, we can't. So you gotta stick around. That would be an awkward position to be in. So Gary Davis has not only dealt with that, and this is a credit to him as well. There doesn't seem to be any animosity, doesn't seem to be any bad blood. He's playing his ass off, and I think that's a testament to what Coach Orlando Steinhauer has built here. I just hope that. When this happens again next year, because it probably will, it's the Ticats, they're going to start two and four. 
maybe we lay off the throw the baby out with the bathwater stuff. Maybe we remember what he's capable of doing. Maybe we look at his resume and yes, it's not, oh man, they go 14 to four every year and they win a cup every two years or whatever. Still a pretty damn good coaching job that he's done. And maybe we give him the benefit of the doubt because he's proven himself year after year after year. That's kind of just where I'm standing right now. From our buddy Tiger Sammy, 30 toes down. I am officially donating my toes to you for the rest of the season. Do with them as you wish. I don't want your game. Oh, see, toes. I thought it was his toes, his wife's toes, and his son's toes, but he's going to give us, okay, we'll take your toes, Sam. Thanks, That's a lot buddy. of toes, man. Where are we going to keep all these toes, Josh? I just don't know. Uh, shoes. There you go. From Eric <laughs> Tweedy. They're back to where they started the season at 500, <laughs> reborn with four healthy QBs. I mean, that's like the thing, right? I, it's like we got Pal, who was in uh, the starting quarterback for, you know, four or five games, whatever he did, shows that he can run this offense, shows that he can win games. We have Schiltz, who comes in, shows that he can run this offense effectively, shows that he can run the ball when 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 need be. And then Bo Levi Mitchell coming back. And, yeah, it's a small sample size, and the most we've seen from him has been not good this this year. But I know that you haven't you, you didn't see it tonight. But Eddie, you stand in the pocket with confidence. He was throwing the ball. He was hitting receivers in stride. You know, I know that you don't want a QB controversy or, controversy or anything like that. But to have uh, three guys you're confident in at that QB position is is a pretty good thing, you'd think. It is, and I know the old adage was like, if you have two quarterbacks, you have none. In the modern CFL, that's simply not the case. With the exception of Zach Caleros and Chad Kelly, no other team has had their starter play every single game. You know what I mean? Like Caleros has been, and even Caleros didn't. He missed a game this year, but he hasn't missed a lot of time. Kelly obviously sat out, but that wasn't due to injury. You need multiple quarterbacks in this league nowadays, and to, for there to be. Like and the thing we kind of saw it last week. I I unfortunately couldn't do the show with you last week due to some technical issues and where I'm living. But it, Powell didn't have it, and Schultz came in and did enough to get the win. And tonight, I don't think it would have made a difference. But it is nice to have three quarterbacks you can rely on. It, it it's very reminiscent of 2021 with Mazzoli and Evans, where it's like if one guy doesn't have it throw the other guy in there and let's see if it, it makes a change. It, it sparks something. And we saw what happened in the East final that year. You know what I mean? Like if he, if Steinhauer rolls with Mazzoli in that game, I don't think the Ticats get to that great cup. And he made it. See, and I think he can do the same here. Now I think he's going to give Bo a much longer leash than he'd give other players over the years, but you can throw Schultz in there for, Oh, let's mix things up and get him in there for a couple of plays and see how that goes. And, if he's hot, well, let's ride him. Because, uh, like, you could, I know Bo's got an ego and Bo wants to be the man. Bo wants to fucking win, buddy. Like, mm-hmm. he just wants the W. And I don't think he gives a damn how he gets it. So, yeah, it's really nice to have three guys you can trust in. But also, the, the nice thing about that is if one guy doesn't have it on a day, you can throw the other guy in there and maybe he can provide a spark and pick things up. And then you go back to it. So, it's definitely something that, uh, makes me more confident in this team this year than maybe in the years past. Do you have a feeling that they're going to be doing this in the playoffs, like going with Bo and then mixing in Schultz here and there? No, 
I don't. I I don't. I think I think they'll go with Bo. I think this was like he's been off for two months. Mm-hmm. Let's get his feet wet in a game where I I, I, I will never say that the Ticats are resigned to the fact that they'll be third in the East. And they were like, well, if we win, we win. If we don't, whatever. I don't. They're per. It's a professional sports team. You don't look at it that way. You go into every game thinking you can win, thinking you will win. That's how the the job works. But I also think it's like okay, let's throw them in there in a hostile environment because in, in a situation where the world's against them, everyone wanted to see the Riders win because of George Reed. You know what I mean? And and so everything backs against the wall. He's coming back. I think this was – let's see what he can do. I think next week against BC, I don't think there's a, a, a mixed match here. I also think that maybe there was a concern. Well, what if Bo gets dinged? And they, they did from what, I, from what I heard, even though I wasn't there. Did mix it up a little bit of practice with both guys kind of getting splitting reps more so than what you normally see where the starter gets a vast majority of them and the backup gets a few here or there. So I do I do think that there's that was the game plan going into this one. But I do think that they'll ride with Bo. And I don't think they'll use Schultz as a change of pace, but I do think that they'll if if they need to, they'll go with they'll go with him in in a situation. Because Steinhauer's not afraid to get the hook. We saw him do it with Mazzoli for Evans. We saw him do it with Schultz for Evans. So it's like we know – or our Evans for Schultz, I should say. So it's not as if he's afraid just because he's paying his quarterback half a million dollars doesn't mean he's afraid to, hey, man, you don't got it today. we got to win this football game. Let's go with the guy who maybe does. Let's see if this will spark something. And we saw it with Ken like, – he comes from Ken Austin's tree as much as like he had coaching experience before then. So Ken Austin do it with Jeremiah Mazzoli in 2015 when Zach Claris was out and it was like – Mazzoli was not playing well in the East semifinal against the Argos. Took him out, let you Corey Harris go in there for a few series, put Mazzoli back in, and then Mazzoli started to ascend to the player he we we know he became. He comes from that. So it's like, look, you have backups for a reason. And if the starter isn't playing well, well, go with the guy behind him. Let's see what he can do. So I don't think it's something they'll do. I know this was kind of a long-winded answer to your question. I don't think it is, but I don't think he'll be afraid to make make it make a change if he has to. From our buddy Tiger Sammy again, uh, Cast and Tonis should be number one on the re-sign list this offseason. Yeah, I think we uh, we agree on that point. Tiger, he's Sammy. only not a Tiger Cat if they if he doesn't want to be like he's a he's yep. a West Coast guy. Went to UBC. Mm-hmm. If he wants to go back to that side of the world, that's the only way that he's not a Hamilton Tiger Cat next year. There's no chance in my mind this team will let him walk out the door if they want him. Yeah, no matter where he's playing, he'll be making a lot of money. I think yeah. come his next contract, he could be end up end up this offseason as the highest paid defensive back in the CFL. Yeah, the defense is finally starting to click after a tough start to the season. One and zero this week. Let's go one and zero the next five games. Yeah, I like the way he thinks. That would be nice. That would be nice. From Jared Breyer, nice commanding win. Team is coming together at the right time and playing fierce. Oski Wee Wee. Oski Wee Wee, back to you, buddy. From Hussey's Huddle, he doesn't have a sack still, but I have to say, Jagarit Davis is playing his ass off out there the past couple games. Good to see. Yeah, I already I already did my spiel on Jagarit, but I agree. It's been really nice to see him the past couple of weeks really stepped his game up. But it's that time of year, man. Strike, strive, playoff time. He wants to keep that Grey Cup streak intact just as much as mm-hmm. anyone else does. So I I think there's going to be a game, whether it's late in the season, you know, one of these last two games, or in the playoffs, 
he's going to make a big play to, to turn a game or to win a game. I, I just feel it in my bones. From Eden and Raw, we are officially humming. Absolutely. Uh, from Adam Stalker, our lines were more physical and dominated all night. I know Castantonis makes the flashy plays, but Revenberg should be the team's MOC. He is having the best year of his career. Sales was fantastic tonight. Gibson called a good game, but I hope Milanovic is able to return soon. So as an awards voter, the Canadian award is the one that I'm having the biggest Canadian and and probably defensive player. I'm struggling with the most in where to put my vote because there's another option for Revenberg. I'm kind of leaning towards Katzentonis for Canadian. And honestly, I think if Katzentonis gets the nod as Canadian in it for the cats, I think he's the awards finals. I don't think he wins it. I think Brady Oliveira has locked that up but I think he could be an awards finalist. I don't know if Revenberg would be. Um, I know that's not a way to vote. Most deserving guys should get it, but it's it's the hardest one. Where, where would you side on that? Yeah, that's a tough one. I, I'm going to side on the offensive line guy because I'm such an yeah. offensive line freak, uh, and I think Revenberg has had an, a, an incredible season this year. But that being said, I think Tonis has played lights out as well. So, it's a tough one, but I'd lean slightly to Revenberg. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I don't think there's a wrong answer between the two. Yeah, exa- yeah, I'm I'm totally with you. Um, I wish that both of these guys could get that award because they both deserve it, to be honest with you. If you're interested, as of right now, James Butler is my most outstanding player for the Tabbies. Uh, Flowers Lloyd is special teams yeah. player. And I'm not sure if he's eligible, but he would also be my rookie of the year for the Ticats as well. Maybe, yeah, Tyreek, yeah, that- McCa- maybe Tyreek McAllister. For rookie Legio too, he's been. I mean, for the special teams, Legio has had a spectacular season. But I, I uh, I'd be, I'd be wife. with you too on the uh, on going with Flowers Lloyd. He's been great. Yeah, and the thing is, the coverage guys don't get enough love in that award. It's yeah. always the return guys. I, I mean, Javon Leak's going to win it, so it doesn't really matter who you vote for for the who I vote for for the Tie Cats. Javon Leak's going to win that award anyway. But and I mean, most of the Argos are going to be like the Argos might sweep the East awards quite honestly mm-hmm. although I, I do think hamilton i do think cats and tonus would be the odds on favorite to be the east nominee for outstanding canadian um and yeah defensive player i'm having a hard time with because there's been there's been a lot of guys that have that have been kind of outstanding for this team but no one's put up like monster numbers so yeah. it's, it's it's really difficult this year in those two categories but those are my picks now and flowers lord is simply because like I said, coverage guys don't get anywhere near enough love. And for me, a kicker, if he went perfect, I would be more apt. He's had a great season. He, he's probably my second choice. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think I'd go – I might go – but if I go Tyreek McAllister for rookie, it's because of his special teams play. But if I don't make him – like, it's 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 not easy. The Ticats, the Ticat players have made it really difficult going down the stretch here for, for my votes. But, uh, yeah, I, I I don't know. Anyway. Uh, well, I guess we can move on. That's a, that's another topic for like a couple weeks later when the, the ballots actually have to get sent yes. in. From Rob Hayes, the offensive line looked great tonight. QBs had a ton of time and the running game was great. Yeah, for sure. 
from Corey Allen, rules need to be adjusted for roughing the passer with the contact to the head. I don't know why, but I, I was still nervous the whole game. Played absolutely lights out. One drive, then another look. Tie cats that only settled for three. Looked like tie cats only settled for th- for a field goal. Butler once a game killer. Once again, killer game. White continues his great season. Yeah, I agree with all those uh, all those statements, Corey. Um, yeah. it was an unfortunate roughing the passer call. I would agree. Two unfortunate roughing the passer calls in a row in two games. Uh, the Jaguar Davis hit that was below the chin strap on the last yeah. game. Yeah, uh, a shoulder. It was high. But it was not illegal. Um, so two in a row, uh, unfortunately. Yeah, it, it's yeah, that's a that's a that's a tough one. And our last one tonight from our old buddy Adam Stalker. I don't think we played that great. I think the writers are god awful. Ottawa deserves to cross over. The writers' defense was like ours at the beginning of the season. Can't tackle or cover, and take stupid penalties. I wish Bo Levi Mitchell played more. Had one good, one bad, and one average drive. I, I don't know, man. You hang thirty-eight on your opponent. You win by twenty-five. You go. You do it on yeah. the road. I'm not going to take away pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. I, I, I don't get me wrong. I do think the Riders played poorly. I think the Riders are a bad team. Yep. Um, yep. I don't know. It, it that that turtle race for the final playoff spot and like the are the Stamps going to fuck around and and back themselves into this thing you know what it like the riders are doing I, everything within their power to not make the playoffs and no one behind them will will take advantage of it no not at all like maybe maybe the red blacks can get this win maybe the red blacks can do us a favor on monday get the win have us tied in the standings with the alouettes that that can make that that last game if we both win next week that final game of the year can mean something um and then they can also salvage their their own playoff hopes i don't know man it just it's usually the the race for third in the East is where you're like, oh, good God, just someone put a bullet in me. It's mm-hmm. the exact opposite this year. No one wants that sixth and final playoff spot. And I guess I don't blame them because you're just going to go into BC and get annihilated. But I don't know. Like you said, like the Raptors are doing everything they can to just give that spot to somebody else, and no one seems to want it. Mm-hmm. It's quite the situation they got in the West, and it's it's something that we usually don't see. Usually we have – at least three strong teams from the West. Yeah. That's uh, you know usually there's a couple. Or two strong teams and like one team that's like fine. Yeah, you know that's what I mean? mediocre, like, kind of okay. Yeah. around five hundred. But this yeah, year it looks like wins, you might yeah. you might only need seven wins to get into the playoffs in the West this year. So um, it looks like six will get you in. Like the Riders. Can, yeah. Like, there's you're you're tell, like, I'm not sure what the what the schedules look like with the Red Blacks and Stamps and the Riders. I'm not sure if like, they play each other or what have you. But is it, is it entirely possible that the Riders don't win another game this year and it doesn't even matter and they get in at 6-12? and 12? It's like, possible. I think so. Yeah, like, I think it's possible. Let me let me look at the oh, – I'm sitting here. i got the standings in front of me. Oh, the Riders in the stands playing next week. Right, that's right on Friday night, I believe. Yeah, they were talking about yeah, that game. Yeah, they do. It's a big showdown. <laughs> but even that, even if the Stamps won that game, they'd still be a game back. And then the following week, the Stamps play the Lions. They're going to NBC. They're going to get slaughtered. The Riders play the Argos. They're going to get hammered. So the Riders are probably at, at most finishing with seven wins. And then the final week of the year, the Stamps, the Riders could lose the rest of their games because then the, the Stamps play the Bombers in the final week of the season. So legitimately, the Riders could lose out, including losing to Calgary, 
and still make the playoffs at six wins. Can you imagine if Calgary finds a way to sneak into the playoffs? Like that just make me sick to my stomach. I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, feel, I had them buried already. And I thought that this was the year that finally, and it's an outside shot still, but you know, the way that Saskatchewan is performing lately, uh, you're right. They could, they could go six and 12 on the season and Calgary could maybe sneak in, but uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who, what shitty team gets into that third playoff spot. Yeah. And that, uh, that, that, uh, Two three matchup in the West is going to be uh, that's it's going to be unwatchable. Like hopefully there's a good NFL game on in the four o'clock yeah. window, or oh this game's on a Saturday. That, that, that oh, game yeah, right. Hopefully there's a good college football game on in the late window on that Saturday because oh boy that's that, that's going to be over in the first quarter without question. So the Hamilton Tiger Cats win tonight. They make their uh, their season record eight and eight. And they're still alive for that second spot in the East Division. Uh, we're going to need some help from the Montreal Alouettes, but maybe Ottawa beats them on Monday. And uh, fingers you know, that crossed. Last, fingers crossed that last game of the season, Hamilton and Montreal could mean something. And you know, don't underestimate the power of having a home crowd in that East semifinal. It would be huge for the Tiger Cats oh, to have a game in Hamilton. If that game's in Hamilton, they're winning without question. I I, if, so. if, if the top, well, especially they'll have to get that they essentially have to win out. So they will be on a what a four game winning streak. They'll have won five of six, seven of nine. Like they'll be riding high. They'll win that game without question. Uh, so Montreal's remaining schedule is Ottawa on Monday, followed by a road game next Saturday afternoon in Edmonton. They're on the bye in the second to last week of the year, just like the Cats are, and then we play each other. So we need to rely on either Edmonton or Ottawa to get to Dub. Mike, I, I'm I'm looking at this thinking October 14th, next Saturday, get yourself some tickets, go cheer against the, the Alouettes, do your mm-hmm. part, buddy. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. It's, you know, it's uh, the two games that could swing the season, so... I'm and and Hamilton, have a, Hamilton has a tough one next week. They got BC, but they beat BC once. Yep. BC's a and little Jekyll and Hyde. I know. I know they got. A, I know they got a good record, but that's not going to be an easy one either. So, uh, next week, next week will tell us what we need to know. Uh, I mean, if Hamilton wins and Montreal wins, and, my, and Montreal wins on Monday, then the Alice gets second, and we're we're traveling. And the last week means nothing. But fingers crossed that we can get the results we need and uh, make that last game of the year mean something. Go into Montreal, beat them. This team's been uh, road road warriors this year. Won more games mm-hmm. on the road than at home. So, yeah, five done. and three on the road, three and five at home. So they can win on the road. So that's a, that's an encouraging sign. It would be better to have a, a better record at home, no doubt about it. But you know, it's harder to win on the road, obviously. So to have a winning record when you're not in the comforts of Tim Hortons Field is uh, is a good thing. Yeah, let's get it. Let's get that. Great show, buddy. Yes, uh, so we will be back next week with our regular pod, and we will be back for the post-game show as well next weekend. Check out our Patreon, Podski Wee on Patreon. Uh, for Josh Smith, I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw.